0: Hello friends and welcome back. Happy Monday. Hope you are doing well today. I am feeling pretty chilled out actually. I um, am not great at self-care, which is, I don't know, ironic or typical because I talk to a lot of people about well-being and self-care and the importance of looking after ourselves and I think often that can be the way with people who work Uh, supporting people and kind of you know in sort of caring and support roles to neglect ourselves in in some ways so I'm making a conscious uh, effort to try to take time for myself um, and enjoy life and yesterday as I'm recording this I had the most amazing two-hour kind of massage experience um, with a massage therapist so a really nurturing warm amazing space so kind of massage plus plus. Um, and yeah I'm, I'm feeling good <laughs> from that so um, I hope wherever you are however things are that you are listening to to what you need your your body your mind your soul that you are taking time for yourself uh, and really nurturing yourself and it's something I'm definitely going to be trying to make more effort to do. Uh, so today we are joined by Skip. And before we dive into that, I want to say a massive thank you to Camelin who joined us last week. And uh, we were talking about relationships. Well, lots of topics, but taking control of controlling relationships. So a really important topic. Um, and I feel like today, also really important topic so Skip is joining us and he's sharing a bit of his story with his mental health and now the, um, the work he is doing to bring attention to men's mental health um, and particularly with tough guys. So um, I'm really glad that, that I that connected with Skip, had this conversation and that we're bringing it to you. So let's dive in and I'll be back super quickly at the end. Hi, everyone, and I'm really happy to welcome today's guest, Skip, to the podcast. So Skip, welcome, and if you could introduce yourself to us and tell us a little bit about you.
1: Thank you, Hannah. I'm Dr. Skip Mondragon, an internal medicine specialist. I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area of the great Republic of Texas. I am a 26-year Army veteran, and I suffered major depression my last year in the Army. I'm married to my wonderful and beautiful wife, Sherry. We've celebrated 40 years of marriage, have five adult children, four wonderful grandchildren, and I'm so delighted to be here to get to share with all of you.
0: Uh, amazing intro. And I mean, if we have time, uh, I got married last year, and you know, 40 years of marriage, you might have some great tips. As Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> But that's that's not what we're here to talk about today. I think there's lots of um, great stuff we're we're going to dive into today. It's some really important topics I think for us to be talking about. So I guess um, where to start. So you mentioned about your service in the army, and then that that kind of last year uh, of your service, uh, your depression, and and if you're comfortable to, if you're not, then that's absolutely fine. Are you able to talk a little bit more about that experience, and and maybe if you know sort of what started it and yeah, how absolutely
1: I, I talk about this all the time, Hannah. And I have to go back and briefly touch upon a few things. Trauma is cumulative, you understand that. And if you don't deal with trauma, it catches up to you. I had a traumatic childhood. There's devastating teenage experiences, things into your adult years. As an army physician, you deal with many things, even as a physician, death and dying. And as army physician, you treat soldiers in certain situations, treating mangled, if you will, well, mangled soldiers. You deal with suicide in some cases. So you're dealing with these situations sometimes here in the US and then in wartime situations and not having taken the time to process this, to deal with this, but moving on with the mission, move on to what's next, taking care of soldiers, taking care of patients, taking care of your family and not stopping to take care of these traumas. Well, eventually it caught up with me in the last year of the army as I'm preparing to transition out of the army a perfect storm. There were some problems in my department I began to fixate on these self-accusatory thoughts. You don't deserve to be a colonel. You've let your department down. You let your family down. These type of thoughts would repeatedly roll over in my mind. My confidence began to wane as did I became indecisive. My mood began to become more blue and insomnia. Insomnia, began to spiral out of control. First hour to fall, fall asleep, two hours, three hours, be up and down all night as it got at its worst, or in the days or in the nights I could fall asleep. Within a couple hours, I'd wake up fully awake, bing! I'd be awake, bug-eyed, couldn't get back to sleep. And a myriad of other uh, symptoms followed. My con- cognition was impaired. In fact, I thought I had early-onset dementia to the point where I went and got tested with formal psychometric testing. Thankfully, they said, no, this is not dementia. They attributed to the stress I was undergoing and the insomnia, but did say, you know, you've suffered a couple, well, not a couple, but several minor traumatic brain injuries over the years from wrestling and other events and so put that together and said no this isn't dementia all these things are going on i'm feeling anxious my hands are trembling at times and i'm feeling this trembling in my chest i'm withdrawing i lost pleasure in things amateur wrestling one of my greatest passions didn't interest me i didn't want to coach the boys i was coaching I didn't even want to watch wrestling. And I'm an avid fan. I love wrestling. Aches and pains from my overuse injuries, my osteoarthritis flared up. Depression, like so many diseases, is an inflammatory process. My libido, my sex drive was in the toilet. So many, many uh, things get involved and, Joy and peace were sucked out of my life. God seemed distant. All of this was going on. Started in June of 2013. It came to a head in April of 2014, April 17, 2014. I went to my office like any other day. I get there early. I go down the empty hallway to the Department of Medicine Unlock my office, turn on the lights, step inside, and then everything comes crashing down upon me. At that point, I was overwhelmed. just couldn't take it anymore. I had had it at that point. I turned around, locked the door behind me, turned off the lights, drew the blinds, turned off the phones, and I crawled up under the desk in my office in a fetal position on that musty carpet over four hours, I wrestled with these questions. Skip, what are you doing? Skip, how did you get here? You're a tough guy, a national wrestling champion, a Colonel, you spent over 18 months in combat zones. What happened? And all these things collide and so forth. The traumas of childhood and adult years and deaths things in treating, dying and mangled soldiers, everything just colliding in there. it's being, almost being like a doctor patient, observing, asking questions and seeing this happening. And finally, after four hours, I can begin to put the pieces together. And I recognize what was going on, insomnia, withdrawal, negative thoughts, Blue mood, and we're not talking about blue mood, we're just not talking about being down. It's like being in, as you know, being in this deep, dark pit without any light. It's like that palpable cloud that descends upon you, walking through life in black and white where there's no joy. Indecisive. Loss of confidence. Impaired cognition. No joy, you know, no... No passion in things, you lose, you know, your joy and your passions, wrestling and other things, withdrawal from situations and people. And finally, it's like, skip, you're depressed, go get help. So I crawled out from under that desk with a flicker of hope. And I made an appointment to go see a clinical psychologist and they, that clinical psychologist that day di- diagnosed me with major depression. And that was the start to my recovery.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us, Skip. And I wonder, you know, in, in the army, was there, is there any support around stress, mental health? Is it something that, that, that there is that sort of mechanism help people with or was it you're kind of on your set on your own
1: there there is hannah in fact i was working with a clinical psychologist with my insomnia because it had started flaring in the late spring and i was having trouble even earlier and so we began to deal with this through a program the resiliency program so it was relatively new to the army at that point And so I was beginning to work with her specifically on this. And then things got worse and worse. We continued to work for the next matter of months together, specifically with depression. So there were programs with that. Certainly counselors were available. And later I did avail myself to counselors. I didn't have the insight to realize, oh, I should see somebody. I would joke with others afterwards, if I had only been my own doctor, I would have diagnosed myself so much sooner. Hey, I am a doctor. I couldn't see it. There were resources, counselors, psychologists, uh, chaplains, there were resources there. But because of my tough guy mentality, in wrestling, we call it gut it out. This idea that you push through something, that you push harder. It doesn't matter how much your lungs are burning, how much your muscles ache, how tired you are, that you work through it. Whether you're training, you're doing wind sprints, weightlifting, doing that chin up or that push up. One more, one more, just one more just a little faster. One more takedown on your opponent. Don't give up on that mat. You push through it, you gut it out. Well, that tough guy mentality, I'm a colonel. I've been in war zones, I'm a tough guy. That is a double-edged sword and it gets you in trouble. It's great through getting through tough situations, but guess what? Over time, it got me in trouble because I couldn't see what was going on. I couldn't step back and reflect to say, oh, this is what's going on. I'm thinking, gee, I just feel miserable. I can't sleep. I'm feeling anxious. I couldn't step back and see the bigger picture. Mm. Enough to say, I should go see somebody. You know, that might be a good idea. (laughs) It was only after I get diagnosed and, oh, yeah, I'm seeing my counselor. I'm seeing a spiritual uh, advisor, one of the chaplains, specially trained in this. Mm. Then I avail myself of these services only after I'm utterly broken.
0: I wonder with the the tough guy mentality, if it's and maybe it's a mix of this or depends on, on the person whether there's part where you're almost like blinkered to even thinking about it. Cause I can't possibly be depressed or anything like that. Cause I'm a tough guy. I can, I can deal with stuff. So you're not even seeing it. And whether there's also maybe sometimes because of it, like a denial of thinking, or maybe I'm depressed and go, no, 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 no. I can't possibly be depressed because so I, that, yeah.
1: I think it's a combination of that Hannah. And certainly for men in my generation and some of the following generations, this conditioning way we have been raised. Don't be a crybaby. Men don't cry. Don't be a sissy. So this conditioning that we get as young boys and as we're growing up, that we suppress our feelings. We suppress our feelings. We don't learn to share our emotions to the point where we lose contact with these emotions. We don't even know what we're feeling, much less the ability to express them. There's been a term that's been coined by a psychologist, Ronald F. Levant. He was a former president of the American Psychological Association. And Dr. Levant coined this term, normative male alexithymia. Alexithymia means feelings without words. That is men, because of that conditioning, we don't know what we're feeling. We don't know how to put it into words because it's been so beat out of us, so suppressed that we lose contact with that. And that's a dangerous thing because of that and not being able to identify, not being able to express and not being able to share can lead to very maladaptive behaviors. And you see it in our society. What do you see? You see self-medication on so many levels. Drugs, alcohol, risky behaviors, whether that's risky sex or fast driving, other things that men do that are crazy, gambling, pornography. So you see these things going on as self-medication. And then you also see the rates of domestic violence, divorce, violence that happens terms of homicide or assault. Look at the prison population, in Terms of primarily men, exceedingly compared to women. Rates of homicide, primarily men. So you see this happen, and it goes at least certainly in part due to the fact that men don't know how to express. They don't know how to deal with these things. So how does it come out? Anger. Because they can't say, I'm sad. That hurt me. I'm frustrated. I'm confused. I'm disappointed. I'm feeling shame. So these so-called negative emotions, how do they get expressed? Anger. So we have this without that ability to identify and express that array of emotions, we have this limited capacity. We can express at least aspects of love, anger, and elation. There's not much in between. And that's one of the roles that we need to model for others is that importance that no, it's okay. It's okay to share those things. It's safe to say those, share those things. I'm sad. I'm confused. I'm feeling fear in this situation. I'm hurt. I'm feeling shame. I'm feeling guilt. To express those or sadness, grief, and to weep. How many men do you see that can openly weep? It's hard for me. I can tell you, it's very hard. There's times, yes, I can do that, but boy, it takes a lot, Mm -hmm. but it's healing when you can do that. And certainly there are situations when you get touched, you know, in in sad situations, a a death, a a loss, something that tugs at your heart with something that happens to those you love, Mm -hmm. things you hear about with my fellow brothers and sisters in the military oh, there's, there's things that will tug on my heart, memories that happen that I flash back to and that certainly evoke those emotions. Mm-hmm. But it's important for us as men to do that and to model that.
0: Mm. Do you feel like things are improving? And I think, uh, I don't know if it's the same in the US, but I think in the UK in the media, there are more men talking about their mental health experiences, kind of expressing you know, their feelings, and is it the same in the US? Do you feel that maybe we're starting to shift a little bit and people modeling, like you said, that?
1: It's improving, no doubt about it, that individuals stepping up, they're expressing individuals in prominent positions are talking about this. Even high-ranking officials in the military are talking about their own experiences. How they've struggled, whether it be with depression, maybe bipolar disorder, some of these issues that they've openly talk about it now. So yes, it's improving, but there's still this stigma associated with it. Men that are unwilling to come forward, men that feel that if they do that, then they're weak, that they're going to be made fun of, that they're going to be less than. And... Part of my role, I feel, is to give other men, as I speak about this, permission to say, yes, I'm hurting. I need help. That that's part of what I need to help other men to do. And so I speak about it. I write about it. i a TEDx talk about this, is to give men permission. You're not alone in this. Others feel this way. And the feedback I get from others is, thank you. I know I'm not alone now. I felt this way.
0: I think that's so validating to know. It doesn't make your experience any less difficult, but there's something about depression in particular, I think that is so isolating and you feel so disconnected and separate. And there's something really powerful from, it's not just me, other people have been through this. They've got through it. Maybe I can get through it as well. And, and it's a really powerful thing. So for anyone who's listening, particularly men or tough guys who are listening, do you have any advice for, for that, that recovery process?
1: Absolutely. First and foremost, men, don't suffer in silence one more day. If you're struggling, go get help. Go get help help. And if you are in crisis, particularly, if you're thinking about suicide, in the U.S, you can call the suicide prevention hotline at 800 two, seven, three, eight two, five, five, 800 two, seven, three, eight, two, five, five. And for veterans or military, and you press one. The crisis text line, you text TALK, T-A-L-K, to seven, four, one, seven, four, one. And both of these lines are 24-7. In Canada, eight, three, three, Four five six, four five six six again. Eight three three. Four five where six, six. Or you can text four five six four five, and note that text service is only available from four p.m. to midnight in the U.K is 0800-689-5652, UK 0800-689-5652. So those are crisis lines you can call and save for the text line in Canada or all 24 seven. If you're a crisis, call them now. What else? I talk about the importance of having a battle buddy. You can't go it alone. In wrestling, we talk about this idea of get your head up. Because young wrestlers have this tendency to drop their head in situations, whether they're standing and looking to secure a takedown to take their opponent down to the mat they head down now they're at risk of being taken down by their opponent if you're down on the mat and the opponent's on top of you in the top position and you're in the bottom position you drop your head now you're at risk of the opponent turning to go over and pinning you putting you in a pin position so we always out there telling her you keep your head up keep your head up we'll see we need battle buddies We need coaches in our life. We need individuals that are standing in our corner saying, Skip, keep your head up, keep your head up. Because when you're struggling with something like depression, your head is down because you're beaten, you're beat up, beaten down, and you're broken. And you need that reminder I'm here for you, keep your head up, I'm in your corner. You need a battle buddy or battle buddies. You need people in your corner. And I talk about the importance of your F3, family, friends, and faith, because you're going to need a team to help you. And then I had the A team in terms of care team taking care of me. I had my primary care provider, my clinical psychologist, my therapist, and a psychiatrist. Let me tell you, I had the A team. The army took good
0: care of me. That's great. Thank you for sharing that and and sharing the numbers um, with people. Really important. I think, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot on the podcast is mental well-being and that sort of preventative stuff. And it's, I think, very different when someone is in crisis and having that somewhere they, they can phone, someone they can talk to who can kind of help them with that because it's a very different place to, yeah, the, the thinking about preventative stuff. And great that you had the A team. How are you doing in yourself now?
1: I'm doing well. I am still seeing a counselor. I still take medications, but I'm doing very well. And I take good care of myself. I exercise each day. I have my devotions daily, I eat a healthy diet, I maintain a healthy outlook, a happy outlook. And just a word on that, that makes a big difference. What you appreciate, appreciates. What you focus on grows in your life. So it's very important in all of these aspects to engender things that are positive. Take good care of yourself. I'm kinder and gentler to myself. I was a very driven person, very driven, and I would push myself so hard. I'm not as driven. I'm gentle. I'm kinder. I've learned now that I don't need to be so relentless. Yes, I have goals. I have things that I'm working towards, but I don't have to be so relentless. And if I don't meet this, beat myself up about it, that I can be kinder. I can speak to myself more kindly. We can be our harshest critics. We can speak to ourselves in terms that we would never speak to others in that fashion. We, would, we wouldn't dare speak to our best friend that way or to a family member that way. And yet some of the things we might say to ourselves, we would never, ever even think about saying to somebody else. And yet we sometimes will say that to ourselves. We need to stop that. And that's one of the things I've learned. Be kinder to myself. Speak good things to myself not ugly things, angry things, accusatory things. You always do this, boy, you're a mess up here. What's wrong with you? <laughs> That's not a good course.
0: Yeah, I, I always I always close um, the podcast. So I do a little chat at the beginning and the end, and then this interview be in the middle, um, but I always finish with the same things. And one of them is be kind to yourself. Um, I think it's such an important reminder you know, to think about. Um, Skip, before I move on to my set questions, do you have a final thought on anything that we've talked about? I'm sure in some of the questions, wrestling might come up and, um, but yeah, do you have a final thought you'd like to share with us?
1: I wanna leave your listeners with this prescription, Hannah. I have written this prescription for thousands of patients. And I tell them, this medication, has no bad side effects. This medication has no drug-to-drug interactions. You cannot overdose on this medication. Proverbs seventeen twenty two says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth up the bones. And how well I know a broken spirit I was beat up, beaten down, and broken by depression. But a merry heart is a good antidote, laughter. So I would tell my patients, every day, you must laugh. And you must laugh heartily. H-E-A-R-T-I-L-Y, heartily. Because it's good medicine.
0: Lovely. Thank you. Uh, Brilliant final thought. And yes, I would love to hear your thoughts on my set questions I ask everyone. Um, The first one, great one. This is one of my buzzwords. Uh, What brings you joy in your life?
1: What brings me joy? My family. Time with my wife. Sitting on the couch. Or... Laying in bed, reminiscing about things. Sometimes it's one word or one memory, and we can burst into laughter or just being together. Just being together brings me great joy. Being with my kids, we have five adult children, and being with them, being with our grandchildren, four grandchildren. Being with my extended family. I have seven siblings and, of course, their children and spouses. Being with my mom. Mom is 89 years old. Being with cousins. And I've got a slew of cousins and a lot of nephews and nieces. Being with friends. I've got some lifelong friends. I have friends that I have been friends with since I was 13 and some others since I was 15. And we are still friends to this day that's what brings me great joy relationships
0: yeah lovely thank you Uh, my next one is sometimes similar sometimes not so we'll see Uh, what makes life meaningful for you
1: life is meaningful again by my relationship with God and living out my purpose that God has called me to do And God has called me to help other men struggling with depression. I am called to do this. I cannot do otherwise. And as I am doing that, as I am seeking God, and as I am endeavoring to help other men, this brings me great satisfaction.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. So my next two questions around. I always have to mime a little symbol when I do this, which no one can see. Apart from <laughs> um, so our overarching, overarching uh, topic on the podcast is mental well-being. So I always ask everyone that comes on, what does mental well-being, mental wellness mean to you?
1: Mental wellness encompasses body, soul, and spirit. And I would explain this to my patients that if one part of you is hurting. Every part of you is hurting because we are a tripart being. If you are sick in body, it is going to affect your soul. It is going to affect your spirit. If you are sick in your spirit, it's going to affect your soul. And it's going to affect your body. And likewise. So mental health and wellness means that you are in harmony with these things. That you're at peace. That you are taking care of this body, that you are being feeding your mind with good things, that you're healthy in your relationships. You're not putting undue toxins in your body. You wouldn't go out there and drink poison. So put poisonous things in your brain. Don't hang out with poisonous people. Get out of poisonous situations whenever possible. <laughs> So mental health and well-being is addressing these components in our life. And so, and it can be, it oftentimes is incremental as we grow and learn, but it's addressing these different facets of our being and saying, I want to be a healthy person, body, mind, and spirit.
0: Lovely. And I, I think you've sort of hinted at this through the conversation and, and in your response but well, i'm going to ask the follow up anyway in case you want to add anything uh, so how you look after your own mental well-being so how you stay in harmony and peace in yourself
1: it starts with my relationship with god addressing that spiritual nature of that relationship and again it's it's not being religious it's being in relationship. I belong to a church, yes, and a faith tradition, but it's that relationship. And so it flows out of that, first and foremost. And then it's, again, healthy relationships with those that I love, those that I enjoy. It's having a purpose. Because if you don't have a purpose, you're just aimlessly wandering through life. It's having a passion. What do you get up for in the morning? What are you looking forward to? It's contributing. Some people will go through and say, I'm bored. Filling this or that. Contribute. Find something you can contribute to. A cause that turns you on. Something that ignites you. Whatever that is. And you might say, well, I can't get out of the house. I can't do this. I can't do that. Quit looking at the limitations and look at what you can do. It might be working on a self-help line. It might be writing letters. It might be picking up that, that phone and encouraging others. There's always something you can do. It might be praying for others. There is something you can do to make a contribution getting out and volunteering with an organization, being part of a peer support group, whatever that is, find something you can contribute to. And it's enjoying and be grateful for what you have. Quit thinking, oh, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Enjoy what you have. Because if you're always looking for things to get better, guess what, you're gonna miss what you have, you're gonna miss the moment. One of the things that I see with some of these young parents that are out with their kids, they're out there and the kids are playing and doing things. And what are the parents sometimes doing? They've got their phone and they're sitting here scrolling through texting or on their phone talking to somebody, looking at things and I'm thinking, wake up, wake up, wake up. That young child is only going to be that age one time. And that period goes by so quick. You are missing. You are missing. Put that darn phone away. Of course, I was thinking to myself a little bit more colorful language than that. Put it away. Put it down. Pay attention to that child. You're missing that magical moment with that child and we can do that too in life if we're distracted by all these things or we're thinking oh it's going to get better I'm looking to this this and this down there and you miss the magical moment right in front of you you miss that conversation you miss that laugh you miss what's right there the beauty and wonder of nature. Something that's right there. So those are some of the things that I've learned to incorporate to attend to my health and well-being. I already talked about some of the things in my morning routine. I I get up in the morning, I have my water, I work out, I journal. I didn't mention that. I journal, I do some affirmations, some visualization. Of course, I do my devotions I've talked about. And to get my day going. These are some of the things that help me maintain my health and wellness.
0: Yeah, Brilliant. Thank you for sharing this. And great advice in there as well. Uh, My next one is sometimes a bit of a challenge. So we'll see. How would you describe your own mindset?
1: My own mindset. Evolving. Growing. Inquisitive. I have a mindset that I want to grow. I want to learn throughout my lifetime. I'm a positive person. I'm an optimistic person. I'm a individual that I see things. Now there's that analogy, you see the glass half full or half empty. Well, I'm a half full person, okay? I look on the bright side of things. I look for the silver lining in things. So my mindset is one of things in life that you have can be a blessing, that it can be an opportunity, that yes, suffering is inevitable. It comes to all of us. And I tell young people or I I tell others, if you have not suffered deep Deep suffering, it's only because you haven't lived long enough, because suffering will come to each and every one of us in due time. So, yes, suffering is part of life, but it's how you deal with it. It's how you perceive it. It's how you frame it. I refuse to be a victim. I will never be a victim. It really bothers me when I see people on their social media accounts that they describe themselves as I'm bipolar, PTSD, OCD, and every post, they're lamenting these things. I deal with depression. I am not depression. Sorry. I have depression, I've or, or struggled with depression, but depression doesn't have me. <laughs> so it's your identity. What how do you identify yourself? Huh? So I think that's in part the, the mindset that I have uh, as a positive person, as an optimistic person, as, as a survivor, as a, a, a somebody that's growing, somebody that's evolving.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, So my next question is one of my favorite ones. I'm very curious and inquisitive as well. Um, And so I know already so much great advice. Thank you. Um, But I ask everyone if they have a top one to three sort of life tips that they would like to share with us that could be really impactful in someone's life.
1: One to three life tips. I love it. First and foremost, relationships are everything. When we're lying on our deathbeds, it's not going to be about degrees. I have advanced degrees. I have a lot of accomplishments. I have a chest full of ribbons when I put on my uniform. Is that going to matter at the end of my life? No. (laughs) It's not going to matter. It's going to be all about relationships. My relationship with God my relationship with my family, my relationship with friends, and my relationship with those with whom I've had an impact. That's what it's gonna come down to, relationships. So everything is about relationships at its core. The other is, don't, you know, be present in the moment. Try to enjoy the moment, savor the moment. We talked about. Don't miss the magic of the moment. And third, be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself.
0: Love it. Great tips. Thank you. Uh, My next question is a recommendation question. So I love to read, and I can see behind you, you also have lots of books. You can't see mine, but I have a lot of books over there. So uh, it could be a book or or a TED talk, and we'll remind people about your TED talk in just a moment as well. Uh, Is there a a book or something that has been really impactful in your life that you'd like to share with us?
1: Oh, there's been so many. Let me grab uh, one behind me here. I want to mention a few here that one is called The Brain That Changes Itself. Stories of Personal Triumph from the Frontiers of Brain Science. And that's why Norman Doidge, D-O-I-D-G-E, is a MD. And it talks about the resilience of, of the brain and the brain, the plasticity of the brain and the science behind that. Just some incredible science and case studies. The other is by Bessel van der Kolk, K-O-L-K-M-D, the Body Keeps Score. This was so fascinating, but the idea of trauma actually gets stored in our bodies. And he's not, he talks about this in, in such a magnificent way. This is a classic and has sold millions of copies, I believe, over the years. So The Body Keeps Score was enlightening. A new one that I'm working on, and she's got her own podcast, Dr. Caroline. LEAF, L-E-A-F, your mental mess. And she talks about some of the same things, the body keeping score and the changes in the brain and how these different traumas and negative things actually change the DNA, the proteins in our bodies and the DNA and how as we clean up these things, we change those things. We change the actual
0: structure
1: at our basic core in our body. Fascinating, fascinating science with that.
0: Yeah, thank you for those. I mean, I've read The Body Keeps the Score and I was nodding, like, yes, that's an amazing book. I've not read either of the other two. And I love science, I love psychology. So thank you very much for those recommendations. Ultimately. I would
1: I would say they're, they're not for the faint of heart, as you know. <laughs> yeah, that'll take your concentration and you will have to work to, to read those, but well worth the time and effort.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for those. And then my final question, Skip, is where people can connect with you. I know we've mentioned your TED Talk. I don't think we've meant, we might have mentioned your book actually, but if you can give us those details where we can find them. Where oh,
1: can- yes. My book is entitled Wrestling Depression is Not for Wimps. And you can most easily find it on Amazon, Amazon. You can look it up under the title, Wrestling Depression is Not for Wimps, or you can look it up under my name, Skip Mondragon, M-O-N, Dragon, M-O-N, Dragon, Skip Mondragon. Uh, Wrestling Depression is Not for Wimps. The best place to contact me would be through LinkedIn. That's the best place I think you could connect with me. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message and we can discuss things, or you can check out my website, www.wrestlingisnotforwimps.com.
0: Brilliant. And your TED talk as well, I know we've mentioned it briefly. Um, I've got here, tough guys are an endangered species as well. So is that on YouTube? Are people able to watch that?
1: Oh, please. Yes. Please watch it. It will, it will encourage you. Share it with the tough guys in your life. Share it widely. And please, if you watch it, leave a comment. What resonates most with you? Leave a like <laughs> and share it. Please share it. Yeah. Men need to hear this message.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Skip, thank you so much for your time and everything you so graciously shared with us, the, the great advice and, and tips and, and everything. I've really, really enjoyed speaking with you. So thank you so much.
1: Hannah. it has been my pleasure.
0: So a massive, massive thank you to Skip for joining us and for everything that he shared. And I think when he was sharing his story uh, at the beginning, that, that was really powerful to really hear that moment and that, that realization so massive thank you to him for so graciously sharing that and the advice that he has shared. Um, I wanted to add a couple of little things so the the first is um, another UK specific number if you are in crises and you need someone to talk to you can also ring the Samaritans who are 24 7 available they also have um, a text service like a web chat type service as well which is on their website um, but their number is 116123 so I wanted to share that one um, as well and also um, just a note I guess that um, you know Skip shared a lot about his faith and as he said it's about his relationship uh, with God for him um, not so much about organised religion and obviously we are a, a non-religious podcast so that could be something that is whatever kind of faith means to you, whether you see yourself as uh, spiritual or uh, some kind of different something. Or if you're uh, an atheist, there might be something else uh, in your life, like a a purpose or, or a higher meaning. Um, so really, I just wanted to sort of um, to add that in that, um, you know, that we're not all religious in a traditional sense. And uh that's totally fine. I think for me I um I don't know I feel like I'm definitely sort of leaning into my spiritual side. Not in an organized religious type way, but that really missing that sense of connection with something bigger than myself and I very much feel kind of connected to to my purpose and, and meaning. Um, yeah, yes, so that's a, an area for me and I think part of that kind of whole well-being is also thinking about our kind of spiritual well-being. Um, but as I said we're we're sort of non-prescriptive so I just wanted to add a little note about that we do have people come on who share their faith and and I think that's part of um, people's individual stories and, and kind of hearing them and so um, I wouldn't want to not have that happen but I also am um, very keen for this to, to feel like a safe space non-prescriptive space in all aspects whether that's the, the kind of recommendations that we have, the kind of tips we share, all of that kind of stuff um, is very much a sort of take what works for you, what resonates for you and leave the rest. And yeah, the same for everything. So I wanted to add that and, and to also say a massive thank you to Skip. Uh, so next week, we'll be back with one of our strategy roundup episodes. So for any newer listeners, this is where I take the top tips from the, the kind of previous 15 guests and share them as a bit of a strategy boost, which is something to kind of dip into if you're sort of struggling or you want to focus on your well-being and you're not really sure where to start. It's a good sort of episode to dip into to get lots of ideas to try out. Uh, so hopefully you'll join me again for that. Please do connect with me across social media at psyche Coaching, P-S-Y-K-H-E Coaching, And yeah, that's everything. I hope you have a good week. Please do take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself as Skip said as well. It's one of the big things we always finish with and um, yeah, I will speak to you next week. Bye for now.